Have you been enjoying the adventures of our characters in Rumble Squad and serviceable plots? Or getting to the nitty gritty rules for the 5th edition? Support us on Patreon. This is Tony, Dungeon Master for D&D Raw. And by contributing as little as $1 per month, you'll get to hear exclusive content and updates before anyone else. Our higher level patrons get access to DM's notes, outtakes from our episodes, and even the chance to add an item or NPC to a D&D Raw episode. Yes, you can hear our silly, out-of-character shenanigans, and even cause some of your own by influencing the story. Our producer-tier patrons listen to our audio before anyone else to give feedback and shape the final episode. And we want to give a special thanks to our producer-tier patron, Johnny Torres, for serving as a producer on this episode. We also want to thank our adventurer-tier and above patrons for their support this month. So thank you, Feral Joe, Grimfuse, a Linux fan, Mosiru, Matt Fry, Mike C, Ryan Glasgow, and Shosuro Ajo. To join this list of outstanding people, go to patreon.com slash dndraw. By joining our patrons, you enable us to dedicate more time to creating episodes. And if you're not able to support D&D Raw on Patreon, we would love it if you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. Before we begin, I want to give a special thanks to our latest iTunes review. So thank you, Sarah Riddler, for the review. I'm glad that the rules episodes are informative and that it can help you with some ideas and delve into the various intricacy of the rules in 5e. That's part of the reason we like discussing it as much as we do is that the various viewpoints that we have from each other as well as our guests help us to delve in and figure out what works, what doesn't, and what we like and what we don't. Uh, Also, I'm glad that you're enjoying the Orenthal campaign. And while, yes, I agree with you, uh, having this introduction to each individual character before you get to the main event can be a bit repetitive. I'm glad that you are getting a really good idea of who each of these characters are. Glad you're really getting into the mystery of everything and hope you continue to enjoy. So thank you again for the kind words and the great review. We really appreciate it. And now on to the show. Next week will be Serviceable Plots, Episode 38. Join us now for Rumble Squad, Episode 30. You fight and kill, or you die. With me today are the following players. Hi, I'm Chris, and I will be playing Oric Fireforge, the Hill Dwarf Forge Cleric. Hi, I'm Nick, and I will be playing Leuven Cromdell, the Half-Elf Alchemist Artificer. Hey, I'm Rachel, and I will be playing Elaine Fox, the Human Druid Barbarian. Last time, Rumble Squad traversed the lands of the Ancestral Heart. After sleeping in a small cave and making some bunny barding, the group pressed on towards the lands of the Champion, while avoiding the many predators they heard along the way. After finding a small town in the middle of the Rigorum, Elaine tried to make a distraction, using the magical sheep-summoning wool, while the rest of the party circled the town to avoid the Nightmare Skull Clan. In the process of creating the distraction, however, Elaine, having beast shaped into a cat, was captured by an orc Rumble Squad had previously spared. Glasha. Glasha then began to take a currently cat-looking Elaine deeper into town, while Oric, Leuven, and Demine began planning what to do next to help out their friend. So, it'll start to circle around the building. Leuven, Oric, you see Elaine being escorted out of the building, heading almost by you. 
So when we're seeing her, I mean, does it look like she's being restrained or anything like that? Nope. You notice both orcs seem to be like on guard, but otherwise they're not holding her. There's no manacles on her. She is just walking between the two of them. I will turn back to, to Luvin and Demean and say, I think we should make our presence known now. Yeah, it seems like she's got this figured out, so... After I do that, I'm going to have my shield and hammer in my hand and just kind of walk out and say, Elaine, are you in trouble? So, Elaine, basically, Oryx seems to step out from this shadow from around the corner that the building was creating and just seems to appear from your perspective. I would just nod. I'm fine. You can put away the weapons. We're being invited in to speak with the Ancestral Heart. Of course we are. All of us. Oh, how lovely. Hospitality. And I reveal myself as well. I'll put away my weapons. Does Demean step out as well? Nope. Well, let's get this over with then. Okay, turn and we shall head back in for now. Oric Luvin, when you kind of peek back though, you don't see him. Huh. Stealth. So you guys walk around, are escorted back inside. Oric, you know, at no point do they try to take your weapons or armor or anything. They're just gesture you to go in. They kind of have the advantage here in numbers. <laughs> <laughs> There's no worry on any of their faces. Like, even when you popped out, like, they look surprised, but they didn't, like, immediately go, like, on the defensive. But almost everyone here is walking with the degree of confidence of, like, many battles. You guys walk inside. You see everything I described, the circular room, the table to the side, that there are several other rooms towards the back, the two stone thrones that are covered in bones and broken weapons and armor and several gems that are scattered about it. As we walk back in, I would do quick glance over both my shoulders to, you know, Luvin and Oric, and then do the bow. Yeah, I would do the same. And also seeing kind of the confident air, I would try and square my shoulders a bit and exude that confidence as well. I guess I would try and imitate the bow as well. Okay. Based on like how Elaine is bowing, is she making eye contact with any one of the two in particular? Basically, I'm, I'm trying to insight which one I would think would be the actual ancestral heart is what it is. Then roll insight. 11. I'm going to say it's a little bit hard to tell. I mean, Elaine's not trying to hide it, but also you're both bowing maybe more towards the woman, but it's it's really hard to tell. Okay. The male orc has like an air of confidence and just like superiority almost about him. The female orc looks relaxed. Are these all your friends? These are all of my party. Yes. You'll get a slight eyebrow raise from her. Smart to choose your words carefully. Slight smile and nod. So we asked her, but what about the rest of you? You're traveling on our lands and didn't even come to greet the hosts of said lands. It's quite rude. Aye, under normal circumstances, I'm sure we would have been more hospitable. However, given our previous encounters, we don't exactly know how much we can trust you. What previous encounters? I only know of your encounter with Glasha, which, at the time, our people were protecting a... Ally might be too strong a term. Well, based on that response... I'll speak plainly. The Spellweaver is dead. By our own hand. The two orcs look at each other for a moment before turning their attention back to you. You killed Rydot. Aye. Very interesting. At that, I will uh, reach into my bag and pull out the chromatic disc 
as proof. I'll also gesture to the fact that I am now wearing Rydot's cloak. As they're brandishing their trophies of battle, I'm just going to very quietly, kind of over my shoulder, perhaps introduce yourselves as well. Thank you, by the way, for um, inviting us into your home. It is a wonderful place. My name is Leuven Cromdell. Hi, and I am Orc Fireforge. You can see why we may have been a tad on the hesitant side based on your previous engagements. I am uncertain what actually happened there, as we only have what Glasha and the few orcs that survived tell us what happened. But they were tasked to defend Rydot at all costs. The fact that you beat them shows some skill. I would say the cautiousness also comes from the fact that there are several different guardians in the area, and each one has a different outlook on things, and it's really just hard to know, until you meet one, how they will treat you. I suppose it's true. Who have you met, might we ask? In no particular order. We've met the old Fae, we've met Vashti, we've met the Lady of Spirits, we've met Boulder. I want to make some kind of insight as to what their reactions are as far as that's concerned. Go for it. 20. They seem intrigued and trying to get a sense since you've made the comment of like, oh, we don't know how guardians will react. Like, oh, well, which ones have you encountered? You notice he seems to just be kind of eyeing you guys up and down and you get a sense like he's judging your strengths, your physical attributes, whereas she seems to be trying to determine why you have the opinions that you do based off of what you've said. Well, the Lady of Spirits is not kind to ours. I assume she'd be kinder to you. Did you hunt on her lands? Not intentionally. We made a mistake. Well, you're alive, which means it must not have been a very bad mistake. The old Fay. Oh, that one. Ugh. And then you mention Vashti. Sweet child, but... Boulder, though. You mentioned you haven't trusted a lot of the various guardians. They haven't always been great, so... I assume Boulder would have given you a good reception. Oh, he was very kind. He brought us in, gave us food, shelter, answered our questions. We appreciate him a lot. Would you feel more kindly if we brought you food? And there's like a slight, like, half grin on her face. Well, I wouldn't say no, but... And I, I grin back. I think I would just head shake like... <sighs> I, I think Oric might do the same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you like lamb? Oh, I love lamb. Well, perhaps later. But why are you traveling through our lands? We wish to stop the horrors that the champion is perpetrating on his land. Although, we don't know what your intentions are in regard to him. He had the decency to come and see us when he was on our lands. We would treat him with respect because he has earned the right. You have not yet. I think we should give you a chance to earn the right. We should mention... Do you know what he's planning to do on his lands, and how it may affect yours? Uh, he serves Archon, I believe? Aye, not the most friendly of deities. She looks over at the male orc. Well, he does wield the Blade of Obrus. That does demand some respect. So would I be able to make a religion check to see what I would know specifically about Obrus? Yes, go ahead. Can I as well? Yep, all of you can. A uh, whopping six. Fantastic five. 23. So, Obris is the god of the orcs. He is 
a deity that values power, values strength, tends to have a very strong, you know, hatred for weaker deities, loves combat, and uh, his home plane is known as uh, Hades, but it's kind of, it is within the abyss. I can see why you would find that impressive, being he wields a blade of your god. Indeed, that is impressive. And he easily defeated our combatants without needing to use the weapon. He wanted to prove he had the strength to defeat us without needing a gift from a god. That is all impressive and all, but if he gets his way and he's able to open a portal to the abyss, it won't mean much for you and your clan once demons ravage the land. Our clan has no intention of falling to demons. We have our own, and he kind of like does a, a sideways glance at the woman, our own plans. Uh, is that to rely on the ancestral heart's strength? And I'll glance at the woman when I say that. She smiles. I suppose proper names are in order then. This is Urzul. I am Urza. I'll look at Urza and say, So if you are the ancestral heart, then what's his relation? Who said I am the ancestral heart? Or just call it a feeling. Who says we both aren't the ancestral heart? That would be a new one. All guardians we've encountered thus far are a single entity. And single-minded. They don't see the ambition that the guardianship can provide. So does that mean to say that you are both a part of the ancestral heart? We've had some good talks, but I think it's about time you proved if you're worth being on our lands. I would like to say, given uh, the poor first impression that we have given you, I do appreciate the chance to, to do so. Of course. A question for you then, at least to make this a fair encounter. Are you more indoor combatants or outdoor? I think a question back would be, is it one-on-one or a group? Three-on-three. I don't think the arena matters in that case. Close proximity, then. Then what be the rules? You fight, and you kill, or you die. And who will we be killing? Urzel looks over and just says, Go ahead and bring him in. And the two orcs go outside. To be clear, you want fight to the death, not to unconscious or first blood. If you are unwilling to kill your opponents, you are not worth being on our lands. Our opponents are willing combatants, I I assume. All orcs are willing combatants. All on my lands are willing combatants. Fair enough. Will we have all of our weapons, skills, abilities, etc. at hand, or is this a unarmed punch to the death? No, fully armed, of course. As you are talking, you are hearing heavy footsteps. So, kind of leans back a little bit and gestures that you should move away from the door. Yep, step off to the side. After a moment, you see two orcs that went out return. They are not holding anything. Two orcs follow them, and behind them, you see a familiar-looking creature. Not necessarily the same one you encountered, but a very heavy, muscly, almost stone-like-looking skin with sharp protrusions from various joints and spikes. It's big, and it's holding a nice, meaty club with a kind of blade strapped to the end of it. It walks in just kind of like looking around turns to look at the three of you. You will fight the Tanaruk and its two keepers. The two arcs on either side you do notice are equipped with hide armor and great axes. 
All right. Are you prepared? I try to do a confident, like, cocky little, like, stretch, like, yeah, whenever. I, if that's what it'll take, then that's what we must. As you are preparing, you're told the two orcs pull out their great axes and square off against you. At that, Urza's going to just kind of lean forward a little bit and put uh, arms on the knees in order to kind of get a better look at uh, how the fight's going to go and just says, you may begin. So go ahead and roll initiative. Top of the round, the orc to the left of the Tanaruk. You see he reaches back and pulls a javelin and hurls it at you, Luvin. Hurls it at amazing speed, Luvin. Catches you off guard, but you start to lean back and the javelin grazes your scale mail and is deflected off to the side. And he just kind of shifts up into the side and still has his great axe in hand and just seems to kind of be focused. It's Elaine's turn. All out, I'm in it for blood. Rage, run up 25 feet to get them all in a lovely straight line as I'm whipping out and yelling incoming and aiming the one straight in the back. 15 to hit. 15 hits. So they will take 13 lightning damage. And then the guy at the end, I think, takes all of that plus an additional 10. So 23 to him? Yep, 23 to him. Yeah, that's all I'm going to do. So as Elaine roars out in rage, you see specters briefly come into existence around her. She runs to the far side so that all of the opponents are in a straight line, pulling the javelin of lightning, yelling its command word and throwing it at the furthest orc, causing it to shift into electricity. None of your opponents expected this as they're all hit with the lightning, frying them for a brief moment as they kind of like flinch and flex in pain as it hits the furthest one in the chest. It stumbles back as a blast of electricity courses through him. He like backs up and hits the wall and kind of like stumbles forward, but he's keeping himself up. The other orc that is right next to you, Lane, the one you hit first with the javelin, is going to turn and swing his great axe at you. And he's going to hit. He swings and kind of catches you across the arm, the one that you just thrown the javelin with. As he does, he deals 10 points reduced to five of slashing damage as he slices across your arm. Auric, you're up. I'm going to move to said spot. So you're moving closer to them so that you were then 15 feet of all of them? Correct. And then casting Spirit Guardians. So Auric runs forward, focusing on his symbol of Yadumin as he releases this aura of divine energy around as small spectral hammers just lift and swirl in this 15-foot radius around all of your enemies, and Elaine and Luvin are unaffected. You've seen Auric do this once before. Auric, go ahead and roll your damage as it's the Tanaruk's turn. And he has to make a wisdom save? Yeah, wisdom saving throw. He rolled a zero. Nice. So 12 radiant damage. So as these hammers just batter his form, he's looking between Elaine and Auric. And you're just a little bit juicier of a target right now, Auric. So he's going to close the gap between the two of you. He is going to first swing with this massive uh, bladed club that he has. And he's going to hit. Catches just like across your shield, but also hitting your arm and slashing across, dealing nine points of damage. And as you're kind of stumbling initially from the blow, he's suddenly like right in your face as he opens his mouth to chomp down and bites into your shoulder for 10 additional points of damage. I need you to make two concentration checks, both at advantage. You just need a 10 both times. 
So pass and pass. The blessings of Yadumin helping you keep the spell up. That does bring us to Luvin, though. I am actually going to come up to Auric, and I'm throwing my alchemical fire to hit both the Tanarok and one Keeper. So that's a deck save from each of them? It is. Four fire damage. So you hurl it and it splashes as the Tanarok just turns and like catches this uh, burning potion of alchemical fire against his blade, blocking the, the damage to himself. York, however, has his attention on Elaine and just got caught in the side with the fire as he burns for a minute and like pats it away. So the orc is going to go for the person that electrocuted him, but needs to make his save. He resisted, so it's half damage. So 15 damage. It looks like he's kind of holding out as he did resist it, but he still takes seven damage. He's looking really rough and battered, so you see he steps out away from Spiritual Guardians and starts to kind of circle. He goes to swing Elaine, but you almost feel like the specter blocked the attack, but that is his turn. Elaine, you are up. I'll go with friend that I electrocuted and javelined. I kind of just swing my arm back behind me and pull out my scimitar and try to slash at him with my scimitar. A 10 to hit. You go and you swing, but he initially took a step back, which caught you off guard and just swing the empty air. That's all I'm going to do. Next is the other orc's turn, who is going to attempt a save and fails. So he gets total of the 3d8 damage. 10 damage. He is also looking pretty rough as these like hammers are just smacking him over and over and over again. He is going to like stay within your range lane, but kind of take a step back so he's out of this like pummeling force and try and take a swing at you, Elaine. So he swings as well, but you just kind of duck under the blow. But that is all he can do right now. Auric, you are up. I will proceed to move, take the healing draught from Leuven, use my bonus action to drink said healing draught. So you take the potion, circle around the Tanarok to get closer to Elaine and then the other orcs so that they are inside the area of effect. Then I will go ahead and on the Tanarok, I will cast Told the Dead. That is a fail. Only 11 damage. You hear that kind of go out. He shakes in frustration and anger. It is his turn, and he is going to make his wisdom save. He succeeds, so half damage. So full damage would be 13. So that brings it down to a 6. And he is going to unleash his attacks on you. He goes with his first swing, and you bring your shield up, catching it at the last moment and push it aside. As you do, though, you open yourself up, and he basically leaps forward and chomps into your other shoulder, dealing eight points of piercing damage. Make a concentration check for me, with advantage still, because Warcaster. 22. No problem, still maintain the concentration. Luvin, you're up. I'm going to chuck an alchemical fire all the way over behind the two keepers. They both fail. That is six fire damage to both. The one that had been electrocuted and stabbed with the javelin gets hit in the back with the alchemical fire, and he just almost collapses against you, Elaine. It takes you a moment as you kind of step to the side to realize he's just falling straight to the ground. You see just char across his back. He is dead. The other orc is still standing, though. I'm going to cast Shield of Faith on Auric. Okay, so you're upping his AC by two as you pull out the 
divine script and read it for a moment and then release the spell as Auric, you feel protected. Yes. Any movement, Luvin? So technically, I could provide flanking by moving just a little to the side. So you are flanking the Tanarok. That's my turn. Elaine. Looking at the body that just kind of slumped over to my feet, I'm just going to turn this like menacing glare to the next one, sidestepping over confidently with my scimitar out and just going to try to slice at him. Make your attack roll. <sighs> A 10. You go and swing and he is able to dodge out of the way. However, it doesn't actually matter because no matter what he rolls, your minimum roll, Auric, on your spirit guardians would kill him. Yay! as he is battered and taken down. Auric. I am going to cast my spiritual weapon. Okay. I will put it right there. Between him and Luvin on the right. All right, so make your attack roll with your spiritual weapon. 17. 17 hits. Sweet, so it does seven force damage. You smack the Tanaruk with the spiritual weapon as it appears to the creature seemingly out of nowhere and just cracks across his shoulder. He kind of spins slightly from the hit. So that was my bonus action for my regular action. I am going to swing at him with my war hammer. Make your attack roll. So does a 16 hit. A 16 does hit. I do seven bludgeoning. As you smack him, he roars out and in a flash of movement swings at you. You take 11 points of slashing damage as he hacks into your side. Concentration check. Just a 10. That's a pass. So he is going to make his wisdom save and succeed, so half damage. He will take four damage. He is looking pretty rough now, actually. He's going to suddenly turn and swing at you, Luvin. Okie dokie. And he's going to hit you. You take 11 points of slashing damage. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw to maintain concentration on your shield of faith. 22. You maintain concentration. He is then going to bite you and deal nine points of damage. And I need you to make another constitution saving throw. Eight. The shield of faith drops. So the Tanaruk, noticing he's being flanked, kind of just turns and swings and slashes at you, Luvin. Hold the concentration for a moment, but you start to take a step back as his teeth sink into your arm and just pierce through, breaking your concentration on the Shield of Faith. And he is actually going to move around Auric. You can try and swing at him if you want, Lupin. Sure. I don't have a melee weapon, so I guess I'm punching. 12. You go and you swing, but your fist kind of catches against his hardened, like, stone protrusions, and you just bruise your knuckles. You didn't get enough of a, a swing in there to really hurt him. <laughs> now it is your turn, Luvin. I'm just gonna draw a healing draught and chug it. <laughs> that is your whole turn, then. Action and bonus action. It is. 13 back. Get healed up a bit from that flurry of attacks against you. <laughs> Elaine, you're up. Shimmy around. Just as I bring my scimitar around. A 24. 24 does hit. For seven points of damage. So you scurry kind of between Auric initially and the Tanarok as you're circling around, getting through and get all the way around and slash at the back of the Tanarok as it kind of turns and then swings at you. He does hit you, catches you across the arm, 
it would be nine points of damage reduced to four. That brings us to Auric. So for my bonus action, I'm going to move the spiritual weapon and have it attack. Does a 10 hit. You swing and the Tanro kind of almost like bats it aside from sheer force of like its arm and it doesn't do any damage to the Tanro. I will cast Cure Wounds on myself. I heal myself for seven. Anything else? Nope. I believe that's it. The Tanarok. Did it roll its um, resistance? 15? So it saves. Yep. So it takes six damage. So it gets battered by this, but it seems to ignore it as it turns and swings at Elaine. Apparently got battered enough, though, because Elaine takes a step back as the swing just smacks and cracks into the pillar beside you. However, still frustrated, is going to then lunge at you, kind of like grab and chomp down and hit you for eight reduced to four points of piercing damage. He's going to pull away from you, Auric. Okay, I will get an attack of opportunity with Toll the Dead. He saves. So he can't move as far, though, because his movement speed is reduced. So he kind of circles around Elaine, but he is now behind Elaine, but away from Auric a little bit. That does bring us to you, Luvin. So I move 15 feet closer to Elaine and to all where all the action's at. I'm going to throw an alchemical acid at this foe. He fails, by the way. Eight acid damage. So you run a little bit closer, hurl this vial of acid. Uh, just as the Tanarok is turning to face Elaine again, it cracks into his shoulder and you see it burn and sizzle and pop as it damages his natural armor. Any bonus action or movement? Elaine is getting a shield of faith. Nice. So your AC is up by two, so you're 19 AC. That does bring us to you, Elaine. I just turn around as I swing my scimitar. An 18 to hit. An 18 hits. For 11 points of damage. So you turn and swing, slashing across his side, and he just kind of stumbles back and just... I growl back at him. Auric. I'm going to move slightly up. And then with my bonus action, I will move my spiritual weapon behind him and attack. Does a nine hit? Nope. So you move the spiritual weapon and it swings. It misses the back of his head. So then with my action, I will cast uh, Toll the Dead on him. 15 again. Dang it. That's all I got. It's his turn. and He rolls his wisdom save in the spiritual guardians. And he succeeds. Total is 11, so half that. So five points of damage. How you doing? He's going to make an attack roll against you. Yeah, he hits. So he goes to swing his greatsword and hacks into your side. Normally would have dealt 16 points of damage, but reduced to eight. And then he is going to try and chomp down on you. You see, like this kind of bluish hue around you as he tries to chomp, but it seems like he was slightly deflected, giving you just enough time to shift out of the way of his bite. Luven, you're up. I'm going to shift behind Elaine, basically between Elaine and Auric. I'm using my action to produce a healing drop, and I'm just kind of holding it out toward Elaine, like, hey, this is for you. Okay, Elaine. I'm gonna go ahead and just keep wailing on him as much as I can with my scimitar. It is a 22 hit, good sir. It does. That's 10 points of damage as I bring my scimitar hacking towards him again. So, Elaine, as he just 
slashed at you with his sword and went to bite, deflecting it. You sense Luvin kind of moving behind you and notice the healing drop, but you focus, shield up, charge forward and bash at his sword to push it slightly aside, just enough that your scimitar can jab just underneath its chest. And you push through it and you feel it pierce through and just pull down and then back up and just carve him up as the blade comes out from his shoulder. You notice you had, in your rage, pierced all the way through him, not just into him. So he just like falls and smacks into the ground, not completely split in two, but close. At this, you are out of initiative and you just hear kind of from behind you the like slow clap of, that was entertaining. Now, how easy would it be for us to kill you now anyways? Oh, unquestionably easy. He'd proceed to prove any negative thoughts we had about you. This was amusing. You said you uh, got food on Boulder's land. I suppose we can give you a bit of a meal here. Unless you're in a hurry. The meal would be most kind. Thank you. You may eat. Enjoy some time here for the rest of the day if you wish and then continue as the combat we agreed to was to allow you to pass through our lands. I do the bow that Elaine showed us earlier. I would probably shake the blood and guts and stuff off my scimitar before putting it away and then give kind of a short bow thank you as I walk over and like yank my javelin back up, back across my back. I like that weapon. And she just leans in a little bit. How often can you use that function? Still, like, fueled up on adrenaline and anger and rage. Not often enough. I will probably do the same bow as well. Since you've offered to break bread with us, would you be willing to answer some of our questions as well? Depends on the question. I can't guarantee an answer. Or maybe not one you'll find favorable. I guess we want to know as much as we can about this champion. No. Can I make some kind of insight to see what the attitude is behind the answer? I would do the same. Make insight checks. I got a 25. 7. Luvin? You have no idea. She's very different from most people you met. Auric, the first thing you notice is there's a degree of respect that she seems to have for the champion. Most likely he had a display similar to yours of fighting someone and maybe had a bit of a cleaner match about it. You do get a sense of a little bit of fear, a hint of it, but it is there. For lack of a better term to say this, you think she would want you to have a, a straight fight with him. He doesn't get knowledge on you, you don't get extra knowledge on him. Very well then, can you at least tell us how much further your territory spends before we get to his? One more day's travel. You can be out of it by night tomorrow. And would you be willing to tell us if you knew if he was on his lands? I have no idea. I assume you have more questions, but for now, we have a little bit of business that the two of us must discuss. I will join you momentarily. And at that, they are both going to stand up, which you had not seen them do yet, but he is over seven feet tall. She is 6'5". While he is, like, all muscle, she is toned and focused. They step down and proceed to one of the rooms in the back and out of your sights as the other two orcs that had been in the room 
gesture for all of you to follow them to one of the adjoining chambers where you notice there's a simple wash basin so you can clean yourselves up before you eat. A few simple cots in it. Seems like this is a general like bunkhouse type of space uh, within their main hall. But the orcs that I brought you in then kind of let you be. We're alone in the room before the feast, correct? Like Yes. Uh, there's a basically you get a chance to like recuperate and then they will feast. And it's just us in the room. Currently, yes. Uh, two, the two of the orcs that had brought you to the room uh, gestured you to go in and basically said that they would come get you when the feast began. And they would be right outside if you needed anything. But the room is yours. Now that I know that the ancestral hearts are not enemies. <laughs> I don't know that they're like allies, but they're not enemies. So I'm going to sit down and just like completely like quiet my mind and just reach out to spirits and stuff and just see, like try to get some guidance on like, hey, this champion dude, is he going to wreck us? It's going to take a little bit, but go ahead and roll wisdom now. 17. <laughs> uh, I will get to that in a minute, but uh, Elaine starts to go into kind of a meditative trance. You've seen her do a few times when she seems to try to be using this newer ability of hers to commune with the spirits. Well, Auric, that was that was intense, wasn't it? I, that was a bit rough. You doing all right after all that? Uh, I, I might need a little bit of a breather. I got a few good hits and that was just an interesting way for them for them to handle visitors. You know, I mean, I've, I, it's not what I expected. I, it doesn't compare favorably to dwarven hospitality, but I suppose each race has their own quirks about them. But they're not as different. I mean, despite you know all that, they're not as different from my home as I thought. I mean, look at this really nice farming town. It's uh, it's peaceful in its own way. I'll admit, this place is not exactly what I thought it would be. Just uh, learning all kinds of stuff on these past few days in particular. That's all I gotta say. I it still remains to be seen whether they're going to be allies or not. Seems like um, they're kind of waiting to see how the cards fall. They're not impeding us, but they're not going to help us against the champion either. It's all about the merit of our own uh, prowess and strength seems like. Well, by Yadamine's blessings, we'll have that in many speeds. Yeah, we got some tricks up our sleeves still. I don't think they've seen everything that we got. Seeing what Elaine is doing, I think I might try and commune with Yadamine and see if he has any kind of guidance as far as entering the champion's lands and what dangers might await us. Go ahead and roll a wisdom check as well. Four. Is that net one? It is. It is. Okay. So, Elaine, you reach out to the spirits, and the first thing that's a little bit different, usually you get this kind of intangible sensation, uh, there's something a little bit more solid about the spirits on this land, and they're very concentrated here. Like, outside of this area, yeah, there are spirits, but it seems the closer you get to, you know, a particular point that's maybe a couple rooms over, there's a lot more. And the closer you get to that particular point, there is a solidity to them. As you do reach out and sense it, you get the feeling of Urza's eyes kind of open and sense your presence there. But she doesn't seem to do anything in response to that. Well, if I do initially sense Urza's reaction, if I can convey a bow of sorts... There's acknowledgement, but... Beyond that, she doesn't. She currently does not address you in any way, other than acknowledgement. 
Yeah, I'm not looking for a specific spirit either. I'm just looking for any that might be more open to sharing of knowledge, basically, and just a sense of if the champion, I know he's powerful, but it's more of a how powerful kind of gauge I think I'm trying to get. Basically, do we have a chance? Roll persuasion. 14. You kind of you know, put these this, these sensations out of champion level of danger question mark to see what the reaction is and you almost get like a spectral image of a figure much taller than you in full plates and these kind of almost from the spectral image these glowing blue eyes you don't hear anything you see it motioning like it is speaking and you're getting senses of like a memory and you see the this figure go into almost a fighting stance and throw a fist at another specter, and there's a brief flash of light, but when he retracts his fist, you notice the other specter is headless, and it dissipates. All right, cool beans. <laughs> this might have been a memory from that particular specter. Whoever that was when they were alive still seems to surround the ancestral hearts in their afterlife. At least some remnant of them does. I would give a respectful, like, thank you response. (laughs) I don't know if that's like a verbal or a, you know. Most of what you get here are feelings and emotions, not full, like, verbal communication. So that's what I would respond with, like, a sense of gratitude, like, thank you for any information, kind of. Auric, you pray out. I think you hear hammering coming from the west. Yes. Guidance, you must proceed to the champion's realm. You are guided by Yadumin there. You must go to the west. And then you open your eyes a little bit and notice Luvin is, you know, making some notes. You don't know how your brain turned the scritching and scratching of a quill on paper into hammering, but, oh, it was just him writing. Oh, oh, sorry, did I disturb you again? All right, stop. You know, the quills, it's, I need, I need the fine-tipped quills, but those are more expensive. Next time we go to a real city, I'm going to get a, Nice six-pack of quills with some high-quality ink. It's going to be fantastic. Just make sure you show them to me next time. I'll make you some additional ones. Will do, boss. Will do. After I kind of get that information, I would definitely sit over by Oric and Leuven and just relay what I saw and then, you know, tell them. So when we get to that, to his region, I have a feeling like with the others, he's going to know we're there. He might not know where we are, but he's going to know we're on his lands. We're going to have to move very fast to get to the portal, destroy it, and get out. I well, we had talked about using the orb to make sure that he wasn't on his lands before we enter them. But if he is on his lands, I mean, we've just used the one chance we have of knowing that he's on his lands. We don't know how long he's going to be there. So we will, regardless, have to move quickly. I, I think we should act in haste regardless, but... Knowing if or if not he's on our lands can give us a tactical advantage. Yeah, I say we take the gamble. I mean, let's just keep pushing forward, because really, at this point, it's a race against time, right? And really, I don't mind just using up the rest of the power in that uh, that thing. So, yeah. Once we get Domain safely to the portal, I think we're all set. I mean, he's Staff Federation. We're, we're golden here. Uh, he's studied the magics, even if he's not necessarily an advanced spellcaster himself. Yes, but we still have to keep him alive, get there, keep ourselves alive, and then bug out of 
the area. Aye, one step at a time, lass. One step at a time. So I guess we're gonna, the plan is we'll eat, relax, maybe we can find out some more information, and then tomorrow morning we'll get out of here. Do we have any way to contact Damien? I have a feeling Damien will contact us when he's ready. Seems to know what he's doing. He hasn't really messed up yet, which I can't say the same, so I mean, that's something. I I think he'll find us when the time is right. Well, hopefully he gets a good night rest and isn't hosed up for tomorrow. I have a feeling he's used to sleeping in the forest. So eventually, uh, the two orcs that are guarding your room come in and just feast is ready. Are you prepared? I was born ready. I stand up. I'm always prepared for some food and ale. They'll nod and just walk out and gesture for you to follow them. Get up and follow. And that's where we're going to leave the story today. Leuven reflects on this adventure in a letter to one of his pen pals. Two. Schultz Cannonwell. Port City of Amaran. Nabrasil Network. Standard Shipping. From Leuven Cromdell. Seven Life Nui. Year 322. Hey, buddy. <laughs> my room's spinning right now, so, like, my handwriting's garbage and stuff. Sorry. I just wanted to tell you, we've been partying with some orcs. Woo! The Nightmare Skull Clan really knows how to throw a feast. I'm talking smashed cups and arm wrestling and, and huge lamb shakes. And casually threatening my town, but I'm sure Glusha means well. Uh, still though, could you even imagine the whole clan charging your guard post in Amaran? No one would want to mess with that. It's weird being the, the physically weakest person here. Like, hello? Farm stuff. I did it my entire childhood. And here it doesn't even matter. Nope. Here I am a noodle. A soggy, overcooked noodle. Boo. Regardless, uh, this is also one of the first times since leaving home that I've felt in my element. The town here is so nice. Idyllic, even. They do agriculture here, too, and the corn is even better than Madikers. Though now I have some stuck in my teeth. I'm, I'm glad Oric and Elaine can carve toothpicks. Um, I think I was making a point. Oh, right. Basically, I have not been myself too reserved, but tonight, even though we're technically in loads of danger, <laughs> the familiar setting made me feel like I could let go and be myself. I miss that. Guess I should learn to be more adaptable. Also, is, uh, is this your mom's hometown? Nightmare Skull seems to be where it's at for orcs here. I'll paint you a picture of the town once I'm sober. And don't worry. Don't worry, I won't mention her name in town, lest I auto-summon the Ancestral Hearts or whatever. So, yeah, bye. Thank you all for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at RulesIsWritten, or check out our website, dndraw.com. And feel free to email any questions to me at dm at dndraw.com. Also subscribe and leave us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found. And please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. I hope to see you all next time in the world of Ostia. Mm-hmm.